afternoon, everybody. On a hot August afternoon, I am uh, sitting here in about 105 degree heat. Luckily, we got a little air conditioning in the building. You are joining me right now for what we call a cup of joe. Fortunately, today it's an iced cup of joe, and it will keep me cool as well as refreshed as well as uh, caffeinated, and I encourage you all to join me as we <clears throat> gather around the proverbial table and share some thoughts, some ideas, hopefully some passion and some inspiration. The idea of this show is to make a difference in the world. And I've been doing this show for, I don't know, about five years now, and uh, sometimes I think about it, you know, it's a... Frankly, it's a hassle to sit down and stop your day in the middle of the day and and get yourself cleaned up enough to be on a camera and, and have some thoughts together. Be prepared to talk for an hour or two by yourself if need be. Make sure you've got organized some guests or some screeners. And um, then you do the show and you realize, of course, it's worth it. It's worth it probably to do a show every day. We reach people all over the country. We reach people all over the world. And I have had the good fortune or the blessing to get feedback from some of the folks that we connect with, some of the folks that have been touched by this show. And it's not just the show. It's the, the people that are behind it, the the human solution. So, A Cup of Joe is the name of the show. It's a podcast, meaning we can uh, be a little PG if we needed to. We can. We don't have the, the seven words you can't say on radio, although I try to keep it pretty family-friendly, as a word is only as valuable as the message it contains. And a lot of people that like to throw around sailor words just for fun, lose their impact after a while. And so I try to be impactful when possible. This is a show that is about civil rights, human rights, making a change in the world, learning from those that have done before us, and being there for those in need. And most of the people that come to us in need are people that are fighting uh, the government for lack of a better word, the government has uh, made it important enough to uh, oppress its own people for their choice to put a plant or a substance of any kind, for that matter, into their own bodies to grow a plant, to sell a plant, to drive or ship a plant from one place to the next, and all of these things. But that's not all we're about. We've taken on Native American rights. We've taken on disabled folks' rights. We've taken on veterans' rights. And uh, in more than one occasion, we have championed some of those causes. However, many times, uh, these causes run into each other. Prohibition is not a cause. It's a symptom. And oppression is the disease behind the symptom, and 
corruption and oppression are rampant in virtually any place in society where you have power of one individual over another. And as it is, government tends to be that. So when people get elected to offices, um, they learn that they have certain rights, privileges, and powers, and many times they get uh, uh, persuaded, uh, influenced by others to do certain things that are in those others' best interest and maybe not in the best interest of the citizens that they're supposed to be representing, and that's where oppression starts to run rampant. However, the power is to the people. The power has always been to the people, and the human solution is all about that power, and it's about educating and supporting, educating those that are being oppressed as well as the oppressors, and supporting those that are in need. One of the things that we educate people about are our rights as citizens as it pertains to the jury, the jury system. And in America and in, in many of the other uh, uh, democratic, quote-unquote, uh, nations, they have a system that is a jury system in which not a magistrate or a judge, but a jury of our peers are given the right and the power to judge the innocence or guilt of their fellow citizens. And this is not by accident. And this is not without intent. And one of the things that many people don't realize is that with this right comes an incredible power. And it actually comes a power that is the same power that a governor might have with the power to pardon or, or to free a, a convicted person, same as the president. And that has to do with, if you've ever sat in a jury or sat in a trial where a jury was sitting, the jury is given instructions, and the instructions are given by the judge, and those instructions are such that the judge would imply very strongly, and sometimes states out loud, that you must do as I say, or you have agreed to do as I say, and these instructions are as I say. And most jurors go along and they say, well, if this, you see this, then you must do that. And it goes on and on. And sometimes there's a page of jury instructions, and sometimes there's a whole day of jury instructions. And many times they're complicated and confusing, and many times there's a lot of questions about them. But what they do is they box a jury into a situation where they are told, if you see this, then you must convict. And that's not true. The truth is, is that every single juror, while they sit in that jury box, has the right and even the obligation to not only judge the evidence of which they've seen and the charges that they weighed against, but in fact the very law itself. And throughout all of history, there have been laws given by man that were unjust and immoral and flat out bad and wrong. And good people and just people didn't listen to them. They broke those laws. And when they were given an opportunity to sit in a jury, they refused to convict people. And that was the just and right thing to do. And that was the power of jury nullification. 
And that is a right and a power and a, and a tool that we like to teach about. Well, we have been working off and on with an organization called the Fully Informed Jury Association. And um, the, one of the directors, or the director, uh, Kirsten Tynan, is um, a good friend of our organization, and, and we've worked together. In fact, we went out on a jury rights uh, expedition one time in, in Washington together and educated the folks on the street. And uh, we got to know each other a little bit. We shot some training videos. And um, this organization is, is, is awesome in a, in a way that is very focused, and they have um, a single, as far as I understand, a mission to teach people about their rights uh, to use this tool of jury nullification, and they uh, raise money to uh, create printed materials and train people about how to effectively teach people how to be a well-informed juror and to use the powers that you have. And every year they have a jury rights day, and uh, our first guest is Kirsten, and she's going to tell us a little bit about it. and see if we can't get some of our folks in our chapters to get involved this year. Kirsten, welcome to the show, and how are you doing? It's been a while since we've had a chance to talk. Wonderful. Thank you for having me on the show. It's always my pleasure. So, um, you know, a lot has changed with our organization since we first met, and we've grown and shrunk and grown and shrunk and grown again, and we're in a growing cycle once again. And generally what happens is, when uh, there are a number of cases in a region, um, we tend to grow in that area and, um, you know, so that we're out there to support the people that are uh, fighting these cases, as you well know. Um, and so we're back in a growth cycle, which means the government is in a, um, an aggressive cycle again, even though we've got all these legalization me measures and laws and whatnot, they're still... Uh, uh, a lot of people facing charges uh, for cannabis crimes. Now, clearly, that's not the only reason why jury nullification might be used, but it's certainly a good one. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your jury rights day? Absolutely. So everyone is invited to join Juror Rights Educators nationwide coming up on the 5th of September in celebration of Jury Rights Day. What Jury Rights Day commemorates is the 1670 trial of two Quakers, one whose name may be more familiar to you than the other, William Penn and William Mead, William Penn being the uh, founder of the colony of Pennsylvania that later became our state of Pennsylvania. They were outside a Quaker meeting house publicly preaching the Quaker religion at a time when that was forbidden in England and were arrested for it. But their jurors, some of them, refused to convict them of this clear violation. They were imprisoned and food and water was withheld with, from them, as were tobacco and fire and any sort of hygienic facilities, let's say, were not available to them. And despite that, they stuck to their, their verdict, refused to convict, and finally were released and were fined for disobeying the judge who had told them they should bring in a guilty verdict. 
they appealed their convictions and punishment, and a higher court ruled that jurors could not be punished for their verdict. So this was one of the things that established a firm foundation for our right to conscientiously acquit via jury nullification still today. And that is something that you have mentioned is uh, quite relevant and quite popular in the legalization community and something that um, we definitely see is one of the things that has um, helped drive forward that um, that possibility of, of impending legalization. <laughs> one of the things that happened during the prohibition era when alcohol was prohibited in the United States is that so many jurors were refusing in some areas to convict their neighbors for victimless alcohol violations that it simply became embarrassing for the government to try and prosecute these things. It was very difficult to impossible to enforce. And in just 13 years, prohibition, federal prohibition was repealed. So that's something to think about. Uh, we don't near, have nearly the um, extensive use of trial by jury today because uh, coercive plea bargains have sort of pushed um, the citizens' pardon out to the side and instead basically put prosecutors in control, as I'm sure you and your listeners are well familiar with. But um, because of that, I think it's taken a lot longer. But I think restoring to our community that knowledge of what jurors can do and how they can do it will be one of the ways that we can completely uh, push back against these kinds of abusive and cruel and unnecessary and I, I, I mean, every, I, I haven't got enough words to say how, how ridiculous it is that it's gone on this long, but all of these sorts of laws punishing peaceful behavior that harms nobody. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, I have sat in many a, a jury trial, um, but you're right. The, the vast majority, I believe that the, the Statistics are in the high 90% of cases are actually settled in a plea deal, and most of the what happens is is they they raise the stakes so high <clears throat> that if you take your case to trial, um, you know they threaten you with with you know 10 or 20 times um, the penalties than if you were to take a plea deal, and usually they dangle a fairly lenient plea deal in front of you and. It's just more than most people can stand, um, and most people do end up taking a plea deal. But we have always encouraged people to take their their own power. I mean, you got to take, you got to, you got to have some stones to do it. And you know, I speak from experience. I went through a, a, an 18-day trial um, and um, was convicted by a jury. The scariest thing in the world ever happened. But because we stood our ground, and we were ultimately able to get it overturned. Um, but at the end of the day, I have seen more victories and a few victories that were directly because of a jury nullification. Uh, that happened when somebody did actually take their case to trial, and um, it makes a difference. Even though you may not set precedent, what happens is, is in that courtroom, 
generally the prosecutors change their tactic. And I've seen in many courtrooms all across the country where prosecutors that were rampantly filing charges on, on you know, these victimless crimes all of a sudden changed their tack when a few people decided to take their case to trial and got acquittals um, and or even a hung jury where, you know, it was a, a higher amount of jurors that were for the acquittal. Um, I've, I've seen the prosecutors change their tack. So it's absolutely a great um, experience and unfortunately it's terrifying for most people that are that are facing charges, um, you know, when they're threatened, they're told, well, you're going to be facing five to ten years if you go to trial, but if you just take this plea deal, um, you won't have to do any time at all. It'll, you know, we're going to offer you uh, three years of probation and a uh, little community service. And unfortunately, uh, I think for, for society, I think most people came to that and uh, ultimately we're not making change as quickly as we need to. So tell us about jury rights. Um, it's on the 5th of September this year. I'm going to actually be up in Canada um, that week, but on, I believe, the 6th, I'm going to be doing a, um, an open house presentation for a group of, um, for, for a civil rights group up in Canada, and they have a similar jury system as we do here, and I believe we can, we can work it into a jury rights day event um, up there oh, in Manitoba. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I can, yeah. I can find commit. Uh, if you if you let me know when it is, I can probably get you uh, some materials before you leave. <laughs> or if you have someone, I can send them to up there. I could ship them up there. Yeah, I'm gonna finalize where the location's gonna be, and um, definitely, I know that there's an event that's supposed to have about 50 people attending, and um, even though um, in a lot of cases. You know, our goal is to reach out to the to the people walking by. Um, in many cases, I find if I can get a group of people together and ask them about this, 95% of the people don't know anything about it, and I can often reach even more people um, with a coordinated group. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so Jury Rights Day started in 1991 when FIJA asked our activists nationwide to spend just an hour at their local courthouse handing out FIJA literature, and that's one of the many things people still do today. If you would like to do that, we have a special deal going on where we will ship you materials for free, uh, and we'll cover the shipping charge if you get your Jury Rights Day event kit request into us by, I think, uh, Friday. And uh, if you get it in by the 24th, but after Friday, We'll still ship you the materials for free. We just charge a small fee to defray the last-minute shipping there. Um, so you can find that at juryrightsday.com. That will shoot you directly over to the relevant page on the FIJA website. And in, right smack in the middle of the page is a link to click to request your free Jury Rights Day event kit. And what you will get in that kit, we will give you a selection of FIJA literature. The standard kit contains uh, 200 brochures. Um, you get to choose from four different um, of our brochures and rack cards. If you're having a much bigger event for some reason, let us know and we'll be in, in touch and see about getting you more than 200. If you're just doing a small event, that's fine too. Click that you're going to have a small event. We won't overload you with brochures that you can't use, but we'd be happy to send you a smaller quantity. 
Um, you might be doing a movie night or maybe giving a talk at your local uh, civic organization meeting or something like that, in which case you maybe only need 25 or 50. We can definitely accommodate that. You could also do a sign wave. That's something that's been popular over the years where people just make a, a big sign. And I know uh, that the human solution has made some great signs and uh, done, done that at yeah. courthouses. Uh, but yeah, you can stand on a busy intersection corner and you know just wave signs for an hour. Um, you could write a letter to the editor of your local paper or submit an op-ed, and that's particularly good in smaller communities like here in Montana, where we have newspapers that publish once a week and are kind of desperate for <laughs> for material. Uh, that's a great way to uh, uh, make use of that sort of thing. And if you have any talk shows that you listen to where it's relevant to a, a current event or something, you might give a call in there. We also have people this time of year who maybe do a table at a hemp fest or a farmer's market or their county fair, things like that. So you have a lot of options. Um, we'd love to support that in any way we can, including getting more attention on your event by publicizing it. So we're gonna we're gonna be uh, collecting your information so we can let other people know how to get in touch with you and join in with your event. So definitely uh, hit us up for some literature. We would love to get those out. I've already started shipping kits, and I'm looking forward to shipping a bunch more. Uh, juryrightsday.com should should send you right over to the relevant page, and you won't have to dig through the whole FIJA site. In fact, I'm typing it in now to make sure it works. J-U-R-Y-R-I-G-H-T-S-D-A-Y.com. Correct. <laughs> and and, yeah, I, and I, I should add, if you're, if you're doing an event sometime around September 5th, but not strictly on September 5th, that's good, too. We're not going to be super sticklers. If it's before September 5th, we don't overnight anything, but if you can get us your request ASAP, we can send it by priority mail for you. Um, but like we've yeah, had some people who do something like. I'm going to be fishing on the 5th, so I uh, don't think the fish uh, have any jury rights at all. So but the 6th, I will be out there preaching the good word. Right, right. And yeah, definitely encourage you to, to do that. Um, we don't have a huge budget, but this is one of the things that I try to support every event we possibly can. I usually do try to get in touch with you before I ship anything though, because we occasionally have people who send in fake requests. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll make human contact before something goes out. <laughs> Absolutely. Kirsten, I have Craig Cecil who is currently serving life in federal prison for a cannabis crime, a non-victim, a victimless crime, and he calls in every week. So, um, we'll let you go. And absolutely. But I thank you very much, and uh, you will be hearing from me, and hopefully several other of our chapters uh, will be able to do a great jury right show in this, this year. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Kirsten. Bye-bye. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe, from Terre Haute, Indiana, which is, well, still kind of sunny here. The sun is setting here. Well, uh, what is your note? You, go ahead. 
I think you probably heard uh, some of the news people are finally starting to look at the Bureau of Prisons after they basically let the, the Jeffrey Epstein die in uh, New York. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Go figure, huh? Yes, and uh, they, the personal investigation so far seems to be finding all the things that you and I have been talking about for a number of years now. For a number of <laughs> I, I totally agree. Hey, Craig, I, I want to share a couple of things with you, first of all. And then um, I've got a lot of new people that have been – this show's actually been growing, and we've been getting a lot of uh, a lot of new listeners, and a lot of people uh, don't know who you are. And um, so I'd like to – if you could just kind of introduce yourself. You know, we've been having a, a, a thousand or more new listeners in many case, in many weeks, coming in from all different places and I get people asking, Who's that guy that was that was calling in from prison? And without, you know, me every week explaining the story, sometimes I think it's good for you to introduce yourself and explain uh, who you are and why you're here and why we're why we're talking. Well who I am is a, a guy that was born and raised and always lived in the Chicago area and uh, in two thousand two I was forty two years old. I had a 14- and a 10-year-old child. Uh, I lived in the suburbs of Chicago, and my business repaired semi-trucks. Unfortunately, one of my customers, a trucking company from Florida that I picked trucks for, they had also used those trucks to haul marijuana, mainly from Mexico to Florida, Mexico to Georgia. You know, basically that, that was their area of expertise, but they brought them to me after they had secreted marijuana in the walls and floors and all the, the semi-trailers. They would get them to where they were going. They would tear them all apart to get the marijuana out. And they would bring them all the way to me in Chicago so that I wouldn't know about their operation. Unfortunately, when the son of the owner of the company got arrested with a semi full of marijuana, they told him that the more people you name, the less your sentence is. So he named the repair shop that had been fixing their trucks for a number of years. I got caught up in getting charged for all their marijuana activity, and I was convicted of a charge which is conspiring to distribute marijuana, which is basically making, you know, being, being part of their agreement to distribute marijuana. And although I, I had no prior convictions whatsoever, um, they had taken me and tried to charge me in Chicago, the court threw out the charge, then they tried to charge me in Texas, the Texas court threw out the charge. They charged me in a little town in Georgia. They convicted me and sentenced me to life imprisonment. I've been in prison, uh, in a federal prison since 2002. And, you know, as as a prisoner in in that with that type of a sentence, generally you're not put in with the, the Martha Stewart's of the world, now, are you? No, no, because... Uh, Unfortunately, as a lifer, you know, that I'm seen as a, quite a risk to their staff because, you know, I mean, I'm immune from any other prosecution. So that makes them a little scared of me. But I'm in a, right now I'm held in a medium custody prison. And although there is murderers here and all that, it, it's not a violent place really to speak of. And so with a, with a life sentence, what are you up for parole? Well, unfortunately... For anybody that committed a... This call is from a federal prison. 
1987, there is no parole. I have to be done before I can be released from the prison. So, in essence, for a nonviolent crime and a first-time offense, uh, you're 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 locked up in federal custody for the rest of your life without any possible parole or way out, unless we were able to somehow make a change to uh, the criminal justice system or affect some sort of a pardon or co commutation or something like that. Yes, as you know, I've, I've brought a bunch of disparities in our federal criminal laws to listeners for quite some time now. And one that was glaring just uh, about a month and a half ago is a guy down the corridor from me here at this very same prison was uh, John Walker Lynn, who they called the White Taliban. In 2003, a year after I was locked up in federal prison, he shot three CIA agents over in Afghanistan fighting for the Taliban. And uh, he engaged our army people that followed them. But after shooting those three agents, he was of, convicted of providing aid to terrorists, sentenced to 20 years, and he went home from here in July. So he went home after shooting the three CIA agents, but yet, you know, and, and he instead gave them marijuana, he would have been facing a life sentence like, like I'm serving. Because there's something wrong with our laws that he goes home after 17 years with good time credits against his 20-year sentence because he shot and killed three CIA agents, but yet a marijuana distributor has to do life meaning all the way until they're dead before they come to prison. Well, and another irony is that as you're being housed in Terre Haute, Indiana, one of the oldest and most dilapidated places um, in the Bureau of Prisons, that very same state of Indiana allows other people to buy and sell and grow cannabis um, for their own personal needs and gains. And actually, I'm about a thousand feet from Illinois, which we're located right on the river that separates Illinois from Indiana. As you know, recreational marijuana is not legal in Illinois as well. Right. So, you know, and, and, and again, I just wanted to introduce you to many of our new listeners. People wonder sometimes, you know, what this show's all about and, and why, um, you know, I get so passionate about some of the things I talk about and, you know, why sometimes we just keep hammering away these points and people say, well, I, but it's already legal. We're already done. It's already downhill. I said, well, you go tell people like Craig that because um, there is no way out for him unless we make one. And that, that's what this is about. This is about, um, you know, making those, those changes, those, those impossible changes that need to be finished. And that unless somebody cares enough to do it, it isn't going to get done. And it's certainly not going to happen all by itself. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to do. Also, um, the, the guest that was on just before you called in, she's with a group called the Fully Informed Jury Association. And every year they have a, a jury, uh, jury rights day. And we get we've, – we've had people in our organization, different chapters – we get information about educating jurors about their rights to nullify um, 
a verdict with regards to a bad or immoral or unjust law. And uh, we've gone out to courthouses all over the country. And actually this year I'm going to be up in Canada for it, and I'm going to be doing a, doing a jury rights day up in Manitoba, Canada, uh, in a couple of weeks. So that's what she was talking about was educating people about their rights as jurors and, and you know, even their obligation as a juror to judge both the, the evidence before you and the law itself when you're dealing with a, a, a human being and their potential freedom or lack thereof. If that should be extended, the, the federal courts, as a rule, do not allow the jury nullification instruction. Uh, I'm from Chicago, and in 1986, they made handguns illegal in Chicago for virtually everyone. And there was always a case every year where an old, old woman, uh, somebody broke into her home and tried to attack her or rape her or whatever, and she pulled out an old pistol and shot her. And, of course, we applaud her for doing that. But instead, Chicago arrests her and puts her on trial for, for having a handgun that are prohibited. Most often, when those cases would go to trial, those juries looked at that and said, no, we're not going to find this woman guilty of a crime. And we really need to, you know, extend that to, you know, people that look... Let's call it from a federal prison. Because, you know, how can, this, how can this be a crime here... Like, for instance, right here in Indiana, where I am, marijuana is a crime, but a thousand feet from here, that, you know, recreational marijuana is allowed in Illinois. Now, how can that be in this country? It's just crazy. It's just crazy. And that's, you know, part of what we're, we're making the effort to change. As you know, um, we're coordinating a walk across America, and we're getting closer and closer to our initial uh, press release. But we have... <laughs> already the support of many civil rights groups, many different uh, activist groups that are eager to participate in this. And, you know, part of this is going to be marching for uh, criminal justice reform. You know, we have a huge disparity between justice and, and what happens in our court systems and our prison systems. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be prisons. I'm just saying they shouldn't be used the way they're being used. And our, our resources, our tax dollars, are being used so poorly, and they're not helping the people of our, of our good nation, and they're harming the people of our good nation in a way that it wasn't designed for. And I think that we need to hold our own government accountable, and I think we need to take, take an audit and, and, and start looking at how this is really working and what's really happening. And I believe that it's time for us to start marching and to start drumming a clear message to our elected representatives, and most importantly, our potential elected officials, uh, the candidates, we're going to give an opportunity to speak during our march, and we're going to give them a chance to, uh, to, to openly declare their positions regarding such things as criminal justice reform and the notion that we're housing nonviolent first-time offenders um, without for, with victim, without a victim, uh, for long sentences up in, including life, uh, it's just unacceptable. So we're going to hold these guys to task, and you watch as this develops, Craig, you're going to be proud. Um, you know, there's probably going to be a, a, a group of people marching 
in earshot of, of, of your facility. That's part of our goal is to arrange a march, even if it's a short leg, um, to go in front of the federal prisons where we know that there are nonviolent offenders that are serving long sentences to let them know that we're marching on their behalf as well. Thank you. That, that makes a difference that the public is aware. The life sentence for marijuana came in in, uh, in an amendment to the uh, Controlled Substance Act in 1986. And at the time, the violent crime rate was, was just, you know, expanding exponentially every year. And, of course, the war on drugs, they blamed all that on drugs. But I found all the science has found that all the drug arrests and all that had no effect on violent crime. That they really were not, you know, you know, except maybe in some rare situation, they're not inextricably uh, linked. And so, so that science is gone, but they haven't went back and fixed the Controlled Substance Act. Make sense out of these laws. You know, right now, heroin and fentanyl and, and substances of all the different kind of opioids are killing thousands of people. But here, there, you know, those laws are staying the same, and marijuana laws are, are carry the same life sentence as a fentanyl sentence. As you know, I sentence is Chapo Guzman, and it, it's pretty hard to compare our offenses, I would think. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, and um, you know, I, I think education is the key to this, and holding people accountable, and. You know, when we are having conversations with uh, elected candidates or, or candidates, um, I don't ever hear those questions being asked, but that's part of our goal with this march is to have um, rallies and, and press conferences where we're going to have these guys. Well, there's your second beat, Craig. I'm going to let you finish it up. Oh, I just want to say thank you, especially to all these people that are talking about marching with you and screaming to people about, you know, People in prison, especially in areas where marijuana is legal, and here there's people like me serving life for marijuana, and other people walk into a store and buy it. I mean, the, these things can't go together, and thank you. Every week, Craig talks for 15 minutes, and, you know, Craig's a friend of mine. I've, I've known him for uh, about six years now, and... Um, this is generally the time that we talk. We talk off of the show sometimes, but I lose track of time sometimes. Sometimes I, I take up more time than I should. But I think it's important that uh, all of the new listeners um, get to know Craig because some people wonder why it is that we're out here still fighting to end prohibition when it's legal over here and legal over there. Um, Craig's the voice of why, and, and so many people like him. Aaron Sandesky um, is a friend of mine, and I've got a little pin-up thing here from when he was sentenced, and uh, this is Aaron about nine years ago, and uh, he was convicted about the same time that uh, my trial went on, and um, he was given a 10-year mandatory minimum sentence. And I face the same if I would have been picked up by the feds as I had a lot of things in common with his case. 
And um, we both did everything we could to be legal in our state, but the federal law doesn't care about the state law. And um, and that was the state that was trying to come after me. I think it's important for everybody to realize these things. You know, we think that everything's just okay, and, and they're not locking people up anymore. And if they are, well, they were doing something. They must have been doing something. It's not always the case. All right, so we've got a bunch of callers, and time is uh, is, a, is not a-wasting, but it's a-waning. Um, we got Colin Nesbitt on next. And he's got a case out of Texas that just came to our attention. We got Pete Yapel, we got Dana Bland, um, and we got a couple of new calls that just popped on, haven't been screened yet. Hopefully, we can get them screened up. Uh, we will always make enough time for anybody that calls in, even if we have to go a little overtime. Um, but generally, we try to end the show around 6 o'clock. If you are listening uh, through any of our live streaming or, or any other way, and you want to listen on a landline or uh, you want to join into the show you got a question you got something you want to you want to share um, I gotta just pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495 and you can join the show just like everybody else has all right Colin Nesbitt um, is a new defendant who picked up the case and kind of a crazy uh, scenario Colin welcome to the show Hi, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. I'm above ground, breathing, and currently out of custody. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your situation? Um, my situation is is I'm a 100% disabled Iraq war veteran, combat veteran, with post-traumatic stress disorder, and I've also had cancer twice, both service-connected. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was growing cannabis, uh, for personal use. Um, it really, really helps with the PTSD and, uh, I was, uh, arrested and charged with, uh, possession of marijuana, more than four ounces, less than five pounds of felony, a state felony charge in Texas. And uh, and this had to do with the plants that you were growing, or other 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 cannabis. No, the, just the plants that I was growing. Yeah, in my own. And home. when they when they do this, um, you know, I, I've been the victim of many of well of a couple of raids, and I've watched, sat in many many courtrooms, and watched what they have done and do. And a lot of times when they're growing, when you when you have plants growing, and they come and they seize them, they generally weigh them with the whole plant and a root ball and, and dirt and the whole deal. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter to me, actually, how much you had. If you had 2,000 pounds, if you needed 2,000 pounds, then that's how much you should have. Um, it's not a substance that could ever harm anybody. So, frankly, from my point of view, it doesn't matter. But when it comes to sentencing and things like that, a lot of times they um, – they try to stack it up and make it worse than it actually is, and, um, you know, it's unfortunate. So tell me about your case, where you're at right now. Have, uh, what, 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 state, what status are you right now as far as uh, your case goes? 
Well, as my case goes right now, I have been charged uh, with possession of marijuana, but there has been no um, indictment made or anything like that. Everything's in limbo right now. They are going to process the plants and um, process them as, as, as if they would be usable products. So they have to dry them and they're going to cut them off, you know, off the stems and all that stuff, the buds off the stems and then weigh them. And then I'm assuming I'll get an indictment. Uh, after that. How long ago did this happen? It's been about two weeks. It happened uh, the 1st. The 1st of uh, August. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it just tans my hide to hear that they're spinning our tax dollars, drying and, and cutting up and weighing your cannabis that shouldn't be helping you, and instead they're using it to try to uh, cause you harm, um, and and it's very upsetting. Um, we do have a number of people in Texas that we're working with right now. Um, that um, a couple of, of groups that are very like-minded, and mm-hmm. as this progresses, hopefully they decide it's not worth moving forward on. But if they do, um, I, I would like it if you could uh, follow up with us if. As soon as anything happens, and I will bring your case to the attention of some of the folks. Where in Texas are you? I'm in Burleson, Texas. It's Johnson County, Texas. Okay. Well, we have on our website, and I believe you may have already gone to the website, but there's a section on the website that basically says, you know, tell us a little bit about your case. And most importantly, um, you know, to tell us a little bit about your own your own situation and where you're at so that it will help us to organize um, some local support. Do you have people that you could get to come to court with you? Um, actually, I do not. I'm, I'm because I have PTSD. I'm not, I'm not really one to go out and make friends. I've been here about two years and I've made just a couple friends uh, since I've been okay. here. So, well, well, we will do what we can to rally some, locals nearby and i'll try to figure out if you can get to our website and input kind of your your location where you're at um it will help me to uh you know texas is a big state i'm from california and when people say oh i got a case in california first thing i got to say is well whereabouts because i'm over here and we got about 1200 miles of coastline and it's it's you know it's a big chunk of land so um if you can if you can help but realize that um we're here to help, and that's what we do, and we, we, we rally local support, and uh, we'll send you some literature um, about our organization and the kind of things that we do. Hopefully you can uh, take a minute and, and peruse our, our website and see some of the things that we do and who we are and what it's about. Many of us have been through cases. I went through uh, six years fighting the government on my own behalf, and and I've helped people all over the country and in other countries help uh, to stand up for their own rights. So just realize that, uh, you know, we're, that's what we're here to do is to help. And, and uh, you know, we care not only about you as a, as a defendant, but as a human, as a veteran, um, and as a disabled person who's, who's dealing with personal struggles. Um, all of those things together are why we're here to help. 
Well, I, I appreciate that very much. And I, and I do have a recommendation. I lived in California myself. I have a physician's recommendation that's still valid in California. So I lived in Sacramento for, for about five or six years uh, prior to, to okay. moving to Texas. Got it. Well, Sacramento is an interesting place, and uh, so is Texas. <laughs> Anyways, well, yes, it is. Um, I encourage you to call in the show. Um, it's the show's every week, and just to give us an update, we have a number of defendants that call in regularly and just give us an update. But please um, go on to the site and input your case into our um, our 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 section there to do that and um, I know you've been in touch with Pete Yapel and continue to do so um, and we're going to do what we can uh, to reach out to some of the folks we're working with in Texas to rally up some support for you. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You bet. All right. Colin Nesbitt from Texas again. Folks, uh, this is what it's all about. You know, unfortunately, we keep getting case after case after case and most people um, you know, don't stand and fight, but hopefully Colin will um, decide to stand and fight, and hopefully we can rally enough people uh, to stand with him and um, that we can, you know, make that kind of a difference here. Um, we got a couple more calls that need screening. I got one I'm going to just jump right on into. I know it's George Martorano. I recognize the, I recognize the number, so we're just going to go sure. and jump on George. George, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, my brother, my California brother, how are you? How's it going out there? Uh, well, we're doing how's, great. How's, we're still uh, supporting people that are fighting cases, um, and we just got a new defendant out of Texas that just called in, and, uh, you know, one after another, we're out there trying to make a difference. Well, here's, here's the situation with all that legality, especially with people, the poor souls still away for uh, uh, the cannabis plant, marijuana, it's 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 a slow, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. Now the puzzle's nationwide. Okay, picture this puzzle nationwide. I was fortunate enough the area I, I was at to put the pieces in that portion of portion of the puzzle for me to come home. But the puzzle's still unsolved. It's it's spread out. So you have everyone has to be patient. They got to pick up their pieces and fit them where they can. And, uh, you know, we're all frustrated. Uh, I deal with it every day with my Hip Hemp Cafe. Uh, people think uh, CBDs or marijuana. So we're in a country where things have to take its time, be explained. You know, this administration right now, uh, uh, Trump signed the prison reform bill. But it, only, it only addresses nonviolent first offenders. Okay, what about the third, second, and third offender that's been in jail 20 years, and for the last 15 years he has a stellar prison record, been working in the factory. So it's all screwed up. I hope I can get in a position where I can make some changes. We have to have, you know, you can put an animal in the zoo, and that animal, by, by law, animal rights, that animal has to be observed, and you see that this, his where you have him in the cage or the pen, whatever, inside out, that he's progressing, not de- not regressing. Well, we don't have nothing in place for a human being that's been in prison for years. I was in 32-plus years, ladies and gentlemen. There was nothing in place to observe me, to see what I, how I was functioning, 
what kind of person I was. And all I can do is write about it. Write a, Human Solutions was a big factor for me coming home. And uh, by writing letters to them and them writing letters to the world. So, you know, you just have to be patient and you have to be intelligent, Joe. Absolutely. And, you know, it, this week was a rough week because we got two or three new defendants that, that came to us uh, looking for help. We got one out of Missouri and one out of Texas and I believe another one uh, more towards the, the East Coast. And, um, you know, some of these states that there's cases coming up are states where they've already passed laws that allow for certain things, but people don't realize that, uh, you know, just because they say you can do one thing doesn't mean that the law enforcement isn't still trying to crack down. In California, we've had more raids than I could ever remember this year, and that's after we passed our uh, recreational law, and uh, they're trying to go after everybody who doesn't have a license now, which is most of the people. So, you know, we got to stay together. we gotta, we got to work together. Uh, we got to stand up for our rights, and we got to support those poor folks who have been victimized. And I don't use the word victim lightly, but if you've been picked up uh, for a cannabis crime, a nonviolent offense, um, I, I, I have to say you've been victimized. So we need to be there for these guys. And, uh, you know, we need to make that change. Well, you know, Joe, when they, when they raid a cannabis situation, okay, you know, they know they're not going to be shot at or be killed because they're nonviolent people. They're good people. If the person has right. a little growing up with his family, they're not violent. They're good people. They don't want to go into the cartel neighborhoods, gang neighborhoods exactly. with, the, with, the, with the heroin or the cocaine. Uh, or the crack? Well, no, they want to. They want to. They want to get all dressed up, go with their assault weapons and their assault assault, uh, assault vehicles to the cannabis people because they're not going to have any problem. I, I said this story before on the show, and uh, incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very pleased to do this show. I've been doing it since I'm home from prison. That uh, I had, I had, uh, I was a teacher, man. Mentor, graduated over 8,000 inmate students, never been done before in the history of the world. But I used to wait when I used to see guys come off the bus that were doing a, a big time for cannabis. You know, I used to always made my, uh, went out of my way to meet, meet him, get to know him. And most of them all wound up working in my educational program because they had sent, they were sensible, good people. Well, <laughs> If you're if you're if you're a short team uh, with an uh, L.A. police department and you got a wife and three kids and you got to suit up, you don't want to go. You don't want to go into the barrio and do it. You want to go to the Mr. Smith's house up the street and uh, and and raid them because you know you're gonna have, not going to be not not going to be shot at. Now that's the bottom line, Joe. I couldn't agree more, and one of the things, you know, we're organizing a march across America right now, and one of the messages that I have is I want to end violence, you know. I want to remove the gangs and the violence from our society, and I want to take the, the, the law enforcement resources that are busy pissing away on, on little nonviolent things, and let's direct them all, and we could end it. We can remove all of the gang, the violent gangs and all of the – uh, the violent activities and and probably reduce uh, violent crime by by three quarters 
in a pretty short way if we were to dedicate our resources to it. And that's wow. one of the one of the messages we're going to have is, you know, let's start using our resources correctly and let's end the violence and uh, leave some of these nonviolent people alone that are just trying to, you know, exercise yeah. their rights. You know, it's interesting, George, and I, I hate to cut you off, but I just want to say this one thing. The, the, uh, the, the, the women's rights movement, what do they say? They say, my body, my choice. And I say, well, what about my body and my choice? Exactly. Don't I get a choice, too, what I put in my body? And everybody seems to support a woman's right to choose what she does with her body, but yet if I choose to consume a plant that doesn't hurt anybody, I'm a criminal. Right, right. Well, that's why I travel with my Cannabis for Guns program dot com, ladies and gentlemen. Cannabis for Guns dot com. It's starting to get attention. <clears throat> Some very prominent people now, because we we have to do innovative new things. So, anyway, Joe, thank you, thank you for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. Tell my uh, tell Liz and the family, DD and everybody else, DD Kurt, where I send my love. You bet. All right. Thank you so much. George Martorano All right, George. is a, Thank you, brother. a warrior. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Thank you, George. And uh, George, you know, spent 32 years in federal prison for nonviolent uh, crime involving cannabis. And, uh, again, we were friends for many years before he got out. And, um he got out. He fought his way out. And this was not an accident, and it was not a commutation, and it wasn't President Obama, and it wasn't any of that stuff. It was It was. he kept fighting, and he finally found a way through to uh, get his sentence reviewed, and, and uh, um, it was through diligence and, and hard work and uh, not giving up. I think that's a lesson that we all need to learn. All right, folks, we're going to be running a little overtime, as we tend to do. Um, but that's all right. We set the show up to where it's not going to get cut off anymore. So we have Zach Salazar, who's a defendant from Missouri. We have Tom Corby. Uh, we have Jeff Eichen from Washington. We have um, Dana Bland and Pete Yapel, uh, all still to talk. So we got Jeff Eichen. I think he's been on the line for a while, and I uh, believe he is uh, at Seattle Hemp Fest. Um, and I don't know if it started yet or not, but Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, hey how's it going? Uh, going great. It's I'm above ground, breathing, and currently out of custody. And um, I'm just uh, getting ready for Hempfest. I leave tomorrow. I'll be with Kristen Floor, Amy Povall, Stephanie Landis, and the gang. We're going to be um, doing preparing some incredible um, goodies for everybody. Um, I have some artwork for sale, and we're, we're getting ready to produce my album, which we're going to print in Sweden on hemp vinyl, everybody. And so it's pretty phenomenal that we found the hemp vinyl people, and we're going to walk the walk. Um, I'm going to Vietnam in October, um, and we're hand-carrying Larry Serbin from Los Angeles's hemp fabric to build some suits. So anybody who wants a suit, get in touch with me at lifersamovie.com. You can find me there or on my Facebook, Jeff Eichen, E-I-C-H-E-N, and order a suit. I'll send you the measurement 
uh, chart, and it's just going to be freaking far out. It's going to be amazing, you know. That's awesome. I would love to have a hemp suit. That would be great. I'll probably sign up for one myself. Yeah, well, we're going to be going in October, and so um, actually what what we're doing also is um, we're talking to the, the Herrera Company to – uh, the hair hair company, Jack Hair um, company, to uh, do a limited edition, and we may um, all go out as um, as good old boys and take 50 pound bags of fabric and look like gangsters and have the have chains wrapped around our arms and I'll film the whole thing and we'll be little gangsters making hemp suits and we're gonna we're gonna mess with the dirty cotton industry. I love it. I love it. Well, that's fantastic, and uh, I haven't been to uh, Hemp Fest in a few years, but it's quite a quite an operation, and um, I certainly hope that uh, you're able to reach a lot of people with your message, and, um, you know, we're just uh, marching together, doing the good work. Well, I'm really proud of you guys for putting the march on. Um, I should I should drone the whole thing. I'd be really really far out. We don't have to rent helicopters anymore. <laughs> so it'd be really fun. That'd be really well, fun to drone. Well, it's going to be about three thousand uh, plus miles of drone footage. So that'd be pretty cool. Well, we'll get we'll get a solar drone that never runs out of juice. It, it, it runs on it runs on uh, cannabis oil. I love it. I love it. That sounds great. Pretty well, soon, Jeff, it's always pretty a pleasure, soon. and uh, why don't you let people know how to get a hold of you if they want to learn more about your work or, or your movie or any of that stuff. Well, everybody, um, I'll tell you where my heart is today. Um, your heart doesn't bleed as much as mine until you um, went to Michigan like I did three weeks ago and went in and visited Michael Thompson, who's been in jail for 25 years for three pounds. And he hasn't had a visitor in 20 years. And to see him, I wasn't really um, conscious to give him a hug, but I shook his hand, and it was beautiful. And he was well-cut and well-dressed, laughing, being with me. And the lawyer that drove in from, uh, from Ohio, Kimberly. Um, and so it was just really uh, an amazing moment. Um, I forgot what it was like, actually, to be – um, and the moment that I said goodbye to him was when my heart cracked open wider than um, than the Red Sea parting. It was just really amazing because um, I knew that he wasn't coming home, and I was. And so that's when I went to Toledo to be with Bobby and, and the folks there and, and do our roundtable. Um, but the whole three-hour drive, I just kept seeing – um, that movie moment of, you know, a person walking backwards and waving goodbye to somebody in jail that's not coming home. And so we're talking to the, um, to the, new, um, the new judge on the 29th with Dee Dee, um, with Dee Dee's help, Dee Dee Kirkwood's help, and um, we're, we're, we're in dialogue with the governor, and it was quite a trip, everybody. It was just really amazing. I know I spoke, um, I think, once after that, but my heart is still cracked open, everybody. I'm not going to stop until every lifer is home. Well, 
and that's that's what we're all about as well. Um, we got to end that prohibition. We got to get everybody home, not just the lifers, but all of them. We need to make it a world where no one goes to jail for a plant ever, and that's the point. Um, so, Jeff, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be working alongside you. I can't wait to hear the good news about uh, about Michael. Hopefully, um, you know, very soon we're going to get. It'll be on the 29th, the way I understand it, and I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing the judge's ruling and, and hopefully that uh, he's heading home. So we'll see what happens. Well, hand hand parade, I love everybody. Uh, three fingers forward is uh, the sign for weed, everybody. Um, we, we're doing that, and we're getting ready to do our, our CD um, restitution fund where we're going to raise some money for each prisoner coming home through our our album, which is going to be underground album, overground, and it's going to be called Homegrown. And it's just a lot of incredible 420 musicians. So any musicians that want to try out for it, send me your SoundCloud or your or your MP3 at, um, my again, my Facebook, Jeff Eichen, or to lifersthemovie.com. And we love you, and we can't wait to party down with Everybody coming home. You got it. All right. Jeff Eichen, folks, doing the good work. And uh, always like to hear what he's got going on. And uh, Seattle Hemp Fest is brewing. So I'm looking forward to hearing about all the good work that's happening out of there. That's this weekend. Love you guys. All right. Love you back. All right. Let's uh, go to Zach Salazar from Missouri, another defendant. Uh, picked up a case. Recently, and uh, we have a chapter in Missouri, and I believe I'll be able to put Dana on as well. So, Dana, hang tight. We're going to bring you in, but let's talk to Zach real quick and see what's going on first, and then uh, we're going to see what we can do to help. Zach Salazar, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it and everything. Well, it's it's our pleasure. I. I wish that we didn't have to do this. I wish that we could be fighting for some other civil liberty that's being violated. But the truth is, this is such an egregious one that people are being persecuted and prosecuted for choosing to use a plant is just completely unfathomable and um, unacceptable. And... uh, I've been on both sides of this coin, and I've been persecuted and prosecuted and raided and uh, jailed and and uh, all of that, and I stood and fought, and people stood alongside me and fought with me, and that's why we continue to do it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your case? Well, um, on May 16th, I had a suspicious package dropped off at my house by a, a postal-slash-cop, and... I knew it was suspicious. Me or, nor my wife were expecting anything. It was a large box. Um, I tried to deny it to the post lady, um, cop lady, and she didn't know what to do. She told me, I don't know what to do. You're going to have to take this. And I said, well, I'm refusing it. I don't want it. Um, at that point, I refused it about eight times, and she, didn't, she told me she didn't know what to do with it. So she ran back to her post truck, drove off um, incredibly fast, and within five minutes, I had the uh, sheriff's banging on my door. And I left the package at the front door, didn't open it. It was addressed to my wife. Um, they came in my house. They shot my dog six times. 
They handcuffed me, took me outside while I was asking them what was going on and why they were at my house. I had the detective kick me again in the back and knock me back on the ground. And uh, one of the officers said, hey, hey, he's cuffed already. So they he stopped he stopped being aggressive with me. They picked me back up. Um, they took me to the jail, put me on a 24-hour hold, told me I was being uh, – he came in there and talked to me and asked me about um, – some money I had at my house because I'm a, my dad's caretaker. He's a, um, got dementia, so I take care of my elderly father. Um, it was about $230, and I, I would draw money for him every month so I can give to him a little bit at a time so he doesn't lose it. And they told me they were charging me with a Class C distribution charge for the money they found and what they found in the box and gave me a $50,000 bond. They denied me my insulin while I was in there. Um it's just it's kind of been just a wreck the whole process you know kind of um, degrading it i i don't it's well, i i really um, don't know what to say this county i live in is just really corrupt what what county are you in Montauk county in missouri right in the middle of missouri okay well um what i'm going to do is we have a, a chapter of the human solution international in missouri and um, Dana and Suzanne um, are the chapter coordinators, and this is, um, they just got done uh, fighting a case that was ridiculous as well, um, and they're, they're no stranger to the fight, and they're good folks, and I'm going to put, Dana's on the line right now, so I'm going to bring him up too, so we can all um, have this conversation together, and uh, okay. all I can say is I believe you're in good hands. Give me one second here. Okay. Dana, you are live on the air with Zach Salazar. Um, I'm assuming that you heard his story. Um, are you familiar with with the county that he's in? Uh, I haven't. I, well, I've been up in that area a lot in the past. Uh, but yeah, it, what he's talking about it's it, it, it's happening happen like that all over this state. And I mean, the people, the sheriffs go in and they shoot their dogs and everything else like that. That happened right here in Barry County. And, uh, yeah, I've been talking to Zach, and uh, we had him on the show last night, too. Uh, but, yeah, okay. it's, it's a really bad case. <laughs> well, the, the good news is, is you guys are no stranger to the fight, and you know how important it is to stand up. And you also know that it doesn't sound like they have a case at all um, if there's no evidence linking um, Zach's wife to this package other than, a name that's on there, um, you know, two hundred dollars and and a and a big old box of cannabis don't have anything to do with each other, and there's no way to link the two. Um, it, it just seems Correct. like they're they're grabbing the straws. But meanwhile, that doesn't change the fact of the uh, severity of the charges and the um, the harrowing effect that this has on on people. I couldn't imagine. My dog being shot, I was raided twice, and both times, um, you know, they drew guns on my dog, but they didn't shoot him. Um, they maced one, mm-hmm. my, uh, one of my dogs, and uh, that was horrible. Oh, enough. wow. But, yeah, but um, it's, a, it's a horror story, and people who haven't been through it, you can't, you can't imagine it. It's, it's um, you know, it's like having... It's hard to explain to people come at you. Yeah, I mean, these guys are, they're all jacked up on, on testosterone, and they're all 
suited up in body armor and they've got their faces all covered up and they're they got their big old guns staring down at you and they're just tearing your place up and they're looking for what they think is going to be some kind of a a treasure you know they think that they're going to find some kind of Correct. a of a of a, 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 a smoking gun, you know, and, and most of the time um, there's nothing like that. It sounds like there was some kind of a setup, and I just don't understand what it is or yeah, what it might have been, yeah. but it doesn't. Oh, it they're mad. I beat my last case on them, and, and they're, they're mad. I beat my last case in January on them that they were trying to get me for for five years, and this they don't like me. My wife sued the task force over the last case and won. So they don't like me much here in this county. What was that? What was the other case about? Um, I brought back um, twenty about about twenty four, twenty five grams from Colorado when it first became legal for recreational use, and I had it in the little containers that I bought it from with the receipts. And they tried to charge me with a Class B distribution for that, and they tried to charge me as felon in possession of firearms. Um, for my wife's guns, which she had all the receipts for, and I ended up beating, beating that, and they only they dropped it down to just a misdemeanor uh, marijuana possession, and they Got gave it. my wife her guns back and everything, and they were supposed to give me back my bond money, but they never have. They um, every time I go to try to get it from the courts, the they call the cops on me. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a small town, uh, you know, personal beef, and unfortunately. That's the worst place to be in because you got government officials um, that are that are acting like high school kids, and they've got yes. you know a lot a lot of power to cause you harm, and and it's it's a difficult task to stand and fight. But I know that Dana, and we've got some other folks um, in the area that um, you know we're going to bring to bear as needed, and um, you know we're all about educating and supporting. And uh, we're here to help you any way that we can. So the fact that you're already in touch with Dina is great, and um, that's that's your first step is right there is connect yourself to a local chapter. And I appreciate it, and thank you guys for um, allowing me to call in and listen to my story, or at least what Absolutely. I have to say, you know, because nobody else wills. I've I've tried to contact the news, and it, like I said, it is a small community. It's 3,300 people, and all these people grew up around here. And nobody wants to listen. Well, we're, that's all about to change. And we've connected with many news agencies. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes as needed, we put together press releases. And, um, you know, we're, 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 we attack these things head on. So um, if you're willing to stand and fight, you, you've got some good allies standing with you now. And that's what this is all about, is standing up for our rights and the rights of our Hello, man. So, yep. Yep. I have my medical okay. card, and, and like I've got PTSD and type one diabetes. So yes, I am willing. I am. I'm not. I'm tired of being bullied by these people for something that's legal. We got some folks that say that they're pretty near where you are, and uh, so so hang tight. Um, call in regularly if you want to. Go onto our website thsintl.org and enter the details about your case so that we can have it on file, um, and that way as okay. people are coming to us and willing to uh, to show support, we have places to direct them, and that will be real helpful. So um, Dana okay. can help you get over there if, if you need to. So excellent. Okay. Well, thank you, Zach. And um, Dana, stay on the line. I'm going to give you a chance to talk as well, and 
Zach, I welcome you to, to stay on and listen to the rest of the show. All right. Thank you, guys. You betcha. All right, Zach Salazar, um, second defendant uh, to share their story today. And, uh, you know, um, it, it just breaks my heart to keep hearing these stories, but it's what we're all about is standing and fighting and, and making a difference, and that's what we're going to continue doing. Um, so, Dana, you're still on the air. Did you have anything else you wanted to share with us? Yeah, I'm already uh, – we're teaching him right now the Constitution and uh, getting him on the computer to learn his rights and everything. That's the first step. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a big mess. Uh, it's like that all over the place. Well, but uh, you know what? You're no stranger to the fight, and uh, it's a little bit easier being on this side of it when, when you're helping somebody else instead of having to help yourself and your wife at the same time. So, um, you know, it's, it's good that you're there and you're standing, you're standing tall and you're going to be able to share, you know, your experience and, and mostly just, you know, sharing your brotherhood here that, that you guys are there. And we've got uh, Mike and Sarah up in Kansas that are not too far away. Um, it sounds like, and, um, um, hopefully we've got, um, uh, Dolores, and uh, some of the others, and hopefully we're going to be able to gather everybody together so that we'll be able to uh, uh, show the support for these guys as needed. Yeah, and we're getting ready for that walk. I walked two and a half miles today, and if anybody knew my health, yeah. they'd say that was a miracle. So, so uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a big. We're going to have a lot of miles to be marching, so uh, um, time to time to get those legs in shape and. Uh, we're, we're going to be, uh, we're, it'll be before you know it, that we're going to be all marching together. It's going to be great. Awesome, Dana. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure always to, to have you join the show. And if anybody's in the Missouri area and wants to get involved with the Human Solution International, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Okay, they can get a hold of me on, uh, or my wife here on Facebook. And uh, or and we are the uh, Hope for Change uh, in the End of Prohibition, Missouri chapter. And my phone number is 417-847-7974. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dana and uh, Dana and Suzanne. And uh, <coughs> Hope for Change in the End of Prohibition chapter of the Human Solution in Missouri. And you should either today or tomorrow have received your uh, – chapter certificate, and uh, I, I would love to see a picture of that once you guys get it. Yeah, no problem. I will. <laughs> Excellent. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Let's see. We've still got Pete Yapel. we got Tom Corby, and we got Connie Kohler from Israel um, on the line as well. So um, we're going to do Pete, and then Connie, and then Tom generally – Closes the show up. Let's see where we're at. Okay. Well, we'll. Uh, it, it, I, all I can go by is what it says. Anyways, if I get your name wrong, you can please correct me, and I uh, we do the best we can. Pete April, Solidarity Over Separation, New York, and his lovely wife Helen. Welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? Yeah. We're getting ready for Woodstock 50 this weekend, so, you know, it's uh, I that was it's pretty mellow at the house tonight, honestly, man. It's really mellow here tonight. Helen's been working. I've been listening. And, uh, 
definitely adding to the solidarity over separation page on our website and implementing all of the Cup of Joe episodes onto my website. That's what I'm doing. Awesome. Yeah, that way just more places for people to see and hear us. Hey, listen, it was great listening tonight. It was kind of like listening to my show last night with some of the guests on. I'm glad that Colin got to call in. I have spent a lot of time with him talking to him today. And um, his story's pretty messed up even how he got, or, you know, how he got uh, busted. But I'll let him tell that at his time. But uh, in his time, uh, it's not up to me to do that. But we're going to here to help him. And I told him, he can, like I said, he can reach out to me at any time. I'll talk to him at any time. Uh, he seems to need to talk right now, which is, you know, something I'm willing to listen but great always to hear George call in. Glad he's free and walking. And, man, if anybody's going to do great things for the community, it will be George Monterano. He's a class act. As you are, too, Joe, you know that. We praise you in our home and everybody that works there in that home of yours, and especially Liz, too, because we know she really, truly keeps everybody in line. But um, <laughs> we're doing well. We're kind of doing well. I'm working and trying to build everything towards this walk that you've been talking about and we've been talking about. And uh, it's incredible the amount of people are reaching out to me daily and uh, just not just people groups. And, and I'm not just talking Facebook groups. I'm talking actual people now, you know, that, that are hemp organizations and this, that, and the other thing. And it's fantastic that they are and that they're listening. And me just saying, you know, the, the, I guess the resounding cry I guess we can put out to everybody and, and, and say, please join us is, is that again, it's about every single one of us, man. And if we can, I don't care why you fight for plant freedom. I don't care. I really truly don't. I don't even care if you don't fight for the freedom of the plant. You just want to be able to use CBD and THC freely in your state without any persecution, or you just want to grow a plant because it looks pretty. Uh, but, but my point is, is that I don't care why you're doing it. It's for everybody. We all need to get involved, and it affects us all. So if we put our reasons why we fight for this aside, I mean within us I'm talking about, our reasons need to be voiced, but not within us because that's what normally makes this movement fight amongst itself egos and you know oh no my thoughts on this are right and mine aren't well listen all of our thoughts are right because we just want the plant free so let's drop egos let's drop vendettas let's work together and show that we can come together and we can be that america that we're saying we want to see come back so i just implore and everybody i've talked to along this and and actually i've talked to a couple people that did get into a tip this week um, you know, on Facebook, you know, and it was just a silly thing, but everybody's willing to say, well, that's fine. It was a silly tip on Facebook. Let's get the job done because that's what we need to get done. And that's beautiful to hear, man. And I just keep hoping that people, you know, will join in. And like I said, Debbie, I put a little post out. If you're just out walking, man, take a walk and say, listen, I'm getting ready to walk because there is a walk coming up and everybody's going to be walking. If you can do a mile, you do a mile. Do a half mile, do a half mile. If you can wave out your front window. That's all we care about is support of this because our rights are infringed upon every single day. We live in a public genocide because we are forced to take things that aren't good for our bodies 
by people that swear that they will never poison us. So it's time, people, that we make a change. It's time that we free this plant. It's time that guys like Craig, and if we do now have a first-time nonviolent crime, that's that's Craig all over it. He's a first-time offender in a nonviolent crime. Why is he still in jail? Why is he still a prisoner? Why are we still having to fight for him? But until every one of them walks, we're not going to stop. And we'll walk for them. And, Craig, yeah, we're going to come. If me and Helen, if God willing, we get on the road way before this, like we're planning to, to be able to spread some, spread the news and do some pre-rallies, we will do a show from outside the prison. And if we can visit, we will. And that's a promise from us. Well, that's awesome, and that's a great promise, and I'm looking forward to watching this whole thing come together. I have a, a gigantic vision of what this is uh, becoming and going to become, and it is, um, it's bigger than all of us. So um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, uh, being part of a defining event in human history that this march will be. So awesome. I can't think of anybody who walks better alongside, personally. I'm with sorry, solidarity Joe. over separation, how do they get a hold of you? They can get in touch with us on Facebook, Solidarity Over Separation. We have a Facebook page, of course. Helen and I do as well. www.canowetalk42small-o.com. Every bit of our information is on there. Our, our brand, as well as the Human Solutions, Solidarity is, is recognized on there as well. And everything we got going on, guys, TV and radio shows, please, you know, come on. Be part of it. Excellent. All right. Well, Pete and Helen, always a pleasure. And I uh, look forward to talking to you very soon, probably tomorrow. All right, mm-hmm. folks, we got up next Connie or Honey Kohler from Israel. And then we got Tom Corby to close the show up. And we're only a half an hour overtime, doing pretty good today. All right. I, I don't, let me see that I get your name correct. Is it Connie? Honey, how is, it, how is your name? Uh, Connie. It's Connie or Connie. People like to say Connie. Oh, it is Connie. Oh, here for them, but Cola. All right. Good job. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. You great job. Connie, welcome to the show. How can we help you today? Hi. Um, I'm here in Israel, and Israel has been um, legal for medical uses for many years here. And right now, there has been changing the entire uh, medical cannabis program, and the head of the health department has been going around the whole world saying how great the change is it, the change that they're making for the medical program, the cannabis medical program, and it's complete lies <laughs> because it's causing so much damage and it's causing so much pain and it's causing so many people to be ill and to regress, um, including my son who has intractable epilepsy and has been treated with cannabis for more than four years. Um, it's uh, basically for the past five months, I haven't been able to get part of his cannabis already, and he's had downfall for the past five months, um, as well as over 50,000 people have also had many problems getting the cannabis they need. Um, they have been cutting out what they're doing is, you know, my son has been, I've been in the hospital back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for the past um, few months because of 
because he's not getting part of his cannabis. Um, and he's been having regression, my son, in many, many ways, um, and retardation and, like, basically brain damage from the seizures that he's having because I can't stop them because I don't have part of his cannabis. Um, basically, it got to the point that I had a week left of part of his oils, and then I wasn't going to have anything um, left. And there, I was getting no answers from the health department because you have to have a license here. And they, they told me they, I had took them to court during this time, and they kept playing games with his license and, and saying that they're going to give him a license to all the companies because when you get a license, you're only allowed to buy from one company. And, um, and then in the end, they put him in with the, with the um, pharmaceutical company. So this is what they're basically doing is they're changing it to be part of the part of pharmaceutical company that there is not, you know, it's not cannabis anymore. They want to make it medicalized and, and uh, make it into a chemical, um, chemical um, compound in order. And the amounts have to be um, according to chemical compounds instead of a plant. And um, I talked with the head Yuval Lanshaf. He's the head of the, um, health department for cannabis in Israel, and um, you know, even with talking him about with my son and everything, he just he just he has he says his opinion is that no difference in strains, and it doesn't matter if it's sativa or indica, it's cannabis. It just has to be um, according to the chemical compound of CBD and THC, and they're. And basically, they've been taking away all the strains from all the companies. They've been, and in the pharmaceutical companies, there are no strains. They're making it categorized into CBD and THC um, with basically four levels of strength of CBD and THC. Um, and that's what they want to reduce cannabis to. Um, wow. It's causing a lot of damage. Yeah. It's causing a lot of damage to a lot of people. Um, well, people, they also have, reduced cancer. What? Do you have Do you have people in your circle of influence that would be willing to stand together and and you know stand up for this? I mean, we that sounds been. like we've been we've been holding protests. There have we've taken them to the high court. Um, they, there's been a few organizations that have taken them to the high court. We've had protests nonstop. We've closed streets down. Um, it's all being ignored. And, um, in fact, the high court, with everything, they pushed everything off because of elections here, um, because of re-elections, not elections, re-elections, because they said the elections were rigged. Um, so it's it's there are kids that are not getting their cannabis and returning to seizing like my son. And it's, I have a whole group of parents of kids with epilepsy and autism and, and there's, and kids are, you know, going to the hospital and, and in the ICU and because they're not getting their cannabis and everything's being turned a blind eye here. Um, basically I put it out there like my son's seizures, what's happening you know, that he's not getting his cannabis. And I started putting it out there um, because I couldn't find it anywhere here in Israel. I couldn't find what I needed. I looked in the black market. I was 
searched all my connections and all the top connections and everybody trying to get him um, the cannabis and the strains he needs, and it wasn't to be found. Um, finally, when it went out into the news um, on Monday, they, um, the news themselves brought, um, went around the entire Israel collecting cannabis for my son. Hey! Um, awesome! Yeah. Now, wow. it was really awesome. It was really a miracle. But I want to tell you something. They were through the entire Israel for the strains that my son, that they have here that my son needs. They have lots of strains that work for him in the States, but they are so limited to the strains here that they have. Um, so they were able to get him about enough cannabis for a month to two months that would last him a month to two months and that's from the whole of israel and that's a miracle but there are but you guys have to understand there's over a thousand five hundred kids in my son's company that we were that we were um a part of and they're closing the company by the end of september without another wow. solution because the other companies don't have the oils that the kids are using for epilepsy. They don't have the strains the kids have been using. Also, they're also cutting them all out. They're not being, they, they just cut out all the different strains and the things that have been working for, that they produce, they, they make, especially for kids with epilepsy. Um, they cut them, they're cutting them out. So there won't be any oil for kids for epilepsy here. After all these years that they were, they developed amazing strains for epilepsy that really work well. Um, they want to take it away, and it's all the pharmaceutical company in the in the meetings that, who are making the decisions of what happens with the medical cannabis. The pharmaceutical company here were the ones making the decisions. On top of it, well, you know, the head of the health department has a lot of stocks in the pharmaceutical company's cannabis. So it's all yeah, personal interest and gain. And he's making a lot of new rules, right and left, to benefit himself. In court, including, he made a new law saying that any other company that's open, they have to give the pharmaceutical company 10% of their products without pay. They have to give it to them for free because there's a shortage. They're saying in order to deal with the shortage of cannabis here in Israel. But really, there was no shortage. A few months ago, they opened up um, deportation that they could sell out of Israel. And with that, all of a sudden, there's no cannabis to be found in Israel. There was no flowers. There was no in Israel. There There was no bud in Israel. And all the patients here were, have been without bud, and they're saying, oh, there's a shortage now. And they're selling it all out. And on top of it, the companies have been, we've been getting bags of weed with mold in it, filled with high levels of pesticides, um, without flushing it, without, I mean, it's horrible. And it's even worse with the pharmaceutical company. Um, it's, it's not even cannabis anymore. Like, if you smoke the, the cannabis, you would think it's nice. It's like, I can't, I would be scared to give my child 
anything from the pharmaceutical company, even as it is, because if you smoke anything from them or take something from them, it's literally like nice guy. You feel like you're a nice guy. You do not, you get, it's a short, it's a short, you know, lasting. It doesn't last as long. It doesn't, it um, doesn't feel the same as cannabis. Um, and there's, you know, what's going on is very, 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 um, very fishy. But the effect it's having here is there's a lot of people who are reversing. There's people who had cancer who were in remission because of cannabis who have, are, you know, going back to having cancer again. They cut down. One of the rules he made was that anybody with cancer can only get up to 60 grams of cannabis. Now, the people here were making um, by themselves Ray Simpson oil. They were making it themselves, and there's been a lot of people, you know, helping each other out, teaching each other how to make Ray Simpson's oil, going to people um, who are sick and making Ray Simpson's oil for them. There's one person that was doing that, and they arrested him um, for going and making oil, Ray Simpson's oil for other people that were sick, for cancer patients. And they arrested him, and they're trying him, and he's still, like, He's out of jail now, but they're still trying him in court. In fact, for me, I was, um, I ended up growing um, for my son. And the police came and, and raided my house and took the plants when I was in the hospital with him. Well, that sounds like you're I'm an American citizen also. <laughs> I'm also an American citizen. I'm from America. What? Uh, I tell you what, um, I I would we're an international organization and we have championed cases in uh, the UK and in Australia and Canada um, and even in Japan and um, I would offer you know whatever that we have as far as um, network and um, if we wanted if you wanted to we could establish a chapter of the Human Solution in Israel. Um, and, and help to organize the people to, uh, you know, stand up for each other and with each other. And, and, I mean, I know it sounds like you guys are doing that already, but, frankly, um, you know, you got to keep pushing and you got to organize. Um, are, you guys, are, are you guys meeting together and, and coming up with a plan to make sure that we're, uh, you know, networking Well, right now everybody doesn't. Everybody doesn't know what to do. Everybody's like been trying to for for months already. Everybody's been they've been talking about the reform of cannabis, and um, it's kind of a shock to parents because you know their kids have been treated four years, six years, you know, eight years of cannabis, and all of a sudden they're like, no, it can't happen. My my kid's doing great. My my kid's functioning. And what what do you mean? You know, my kids are you know. Um, we got them stable finally with cannabis and um, and healthy. And here they're like, no, they wouldn't do that to the kids here, but that's what's happening. They are. They've already done it to my son. Um, <clears throat> I've had a fight just to get, you know, his license back to the company um, that he was. Um, we have been organizing things together. We are talking together. But it's being the government here is really um, they they they're blocking a lot of things. They they really do not want this. Well, what I would like it if you could do. We're we're running low on time with the show right now, but I would like it if you could stay on the line, and then Mary, our screener, is going to take down your contact information, 
and um, she can give you my contact information as well. And I'd like to talk to you maybe tomorrow and see if we can't help to organize, um, you know, some of the people that you have willing to stand together and, and you know, maybe uh, come up with a plan. I've, I've never been to Israel, so I, I, I'm limited through your eyes as to what, you know, the best way to move forward is, but I'm willing to help. I've organized uh, uh, people in many different places, many different countries, and, you know, people are people wherever you go. So my guess is that we can come up with a plan to help to, uh, to bring everybody together and to start sharing these resources and, and come up with uh, maybe a viable way mm -hmm. to, to make the change needed or to come up with a way around it, uh, one of the two or both. So mm -hmm. um, if you could stay well, on the Well, one of the problems is that well, can I just say one of the problems quickly here is that the head, Yuval Lanchef, has been making laws single-handedly. So one of the new laws that has been implemented is that if you have a license for cannabis, you can't have a license for drive, to drive. That's um, crazy. That's one of the new laws that, yeah. If you have a license for cannabis, yeah, you're not allowed to have a license to drive. They take away your driving license. Um, well, the other, you know, another, you know, he's been implementing a lot of new laws just for his own benefit. Well, it sounds um, like we need to gather the people together and stand up in a, in a unified voice and start bringing the media into this. And, you know, I, 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 again, offer our organization in any way that we can help. Um, so, if you want to, um, you know, if you, like I said, if you can stay on the line and Mary mm -hmm. can get yes, your sir. information. Yes, happy to. Yeah, and then we can talk some more about oh. this tomorrow and okay. hopefully be able to. So basically, um, I, have, I have till September, like the end of September, you know, that I'll be able to get my son's um, cannabis right now. Um and with the help of other people, you know, I might have a little bit more time, like October. But if things don't change here, I'm going to have to pick up and move in order for my son to live. Because my son can't well, live without like cannabis. Yeah, definitely sounds like it's time to make some change. So that's what we're all about. And, uh, you know, like I said, stay on the line. And Mary will get your information and give you mine. And, and let's talk some more tomorrow so that we can... Uh, come up with a plan, and, and uh, you know, as I understand more, I can help to uh, help help to organize uh, something that might help out. Thank you so much, Abby. Yes, I appreciate right. that. You bet. Thank you so much, Connie, from Israel. And you know, this is when we talk about the Human Solution International. Um, this is a worldwide issue. This is not just a U.S. issue. Um, we're here in the U.S. Uh, Mary, if you could get uh, Connie's information, and uh, that way I can connect with her, and please feel free to give her mine as well. Um, all right, we've got Tom Corby to finish up the show, and, um, and okay, there we go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. You're the last one up, and uh, how are you doing today? Oh, I thank you, Joe, and uh, always Mary and Lisa back in with all those on the front line coming together and prohibition. We all are PWs. 
No one should go to jail for a sacred plant. This is a goal and vision of the Human Solution International. It always has been banned prohibition. To deschedule cannabis, no schedule. When we talk about doctor's recommendation um, and them coming in and taking our plants, uh, so what I was going to talk about today is we had uh, we had a clinic here uh, last week uh, with Sue and uh, and our new doctor Malabed. Upon uh, a couple of the new patients uh, were leaving, uh, I he, I had mentioned the human solution. And I gave them a brochure, and they liked that. And I said, if you ever have a case where you fill it out a line, you let us know. But Randy said, Teresa, we do have one. Our friend Terry, uh, up here, up here, just not up on the way to Berry Creek, up on uh, 162. Uh, what actually happened is this, they're really out of line here. Uh, they were both they were both scripted, I believe, him and his wife, uh, and, and uh, the uh, there's not a case unless somebody complains. Well, guess who complained? The the gal that worked for him uh, started using methamphetamine, so he he released her and let her go. Well, she got vindictive. And she turned him in. And I wouldn't want that rat's karma. They only had 14 plants. They come in and they weren't friendly at all. They came in and they said, you either take these plants down or it's $1,000 a day. And, well, Terry didn't know what to say. So he said, oh, well, he didn't want to make any fuss. So he said, oh, I guess I'll go ahead. And the first place we know, when I told him, and we're starting to work this case with him, is they had no right to take any more than six because we are about six plants under AUMA in California, one of the good sides of it. So what do we do in every case? We file an injunction lawsuit. That is a huge word, look it up, injunction, because most all these cases are, they're an injunction and there's no probable cause. That's why we always file that motion. And once they hear lawsuit, that's what these folks have ears to hear. So that's what we do every time and we're helping them with their case I'm glad he's taking them on because they were really out of line here. And uh, can you imagine uh, this complaint? Uh, Randy said, wait till you see her. And she's on methamphetamine. What kind of witness we have here? So uh, that's what we do. We throw everything at them and always come with the injunction lawsuit. Uh, that's what gets the bacon. And talking today, uh, how is the best way? One of the best ways is to end prohibition is, again, what was talked about today is so winning these cases. 
every time we win a case like ours, like Joe's, like Frank Canary today, uh, Franklin, say hello. And, hey, Joe, everybody. And Daria here. Hey, Frank, uh, chicken. Well, it's another day in the land of Oz up here. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Uh, every time we win a case and you know, have cases dismissed or acquitted, it sets a precedent. This is what gets the bacon, and uh, court support, of course, is always paramount. Uh, believe me, uh, when we come in with court support, they turn their heads, they know we're there, and, and it helps so much with any defense to give any kind of support, of course, if you can. Okay, and also uh, we just came from Horrorville, <laughs> and uh, uh, we're uh, we have had chiropractics helping us a lot and acupuncture, and we're doing pretty good. And Donna too. Thank everybody out there. Uh, looks like uh, with Frank, we're going to be opening a, a, a cannabis store with with just the oils and the rubs. Is that right, Frank? Yeah, sure. Yeah, CBD store down in, in Oroville. So, uh, with your, awesome. with your terrific, oh, thanks for those great products. They're helping me so much. Okay, well, I want to thank you all today for coming together and volunteering to help Jesus Solution finally end prohibition. And why is cannabis even in any schedule? Because always, as always, follow the money. They're all making money on us. Thank you all today. And don't forget to breathe. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tom. And I want to thank everybody who was part of the show. And remember, this show is all about making the changes that we need to see in the world. And you know what? We can do it. If we stand together, I have watched. Throughout all of history, I have seen people stand together and demand and force and create the changes that need to be made, and that's what this is all about. Don't be afraid to stand up. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to make the change. Together we stand. And let's see what Willie Nelson has to say about this all, and we will see you all next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my